see about it. He okay. usually offers me to stand on this footstool that's behind here. <laughs> I, I wouldn't dare. You have done. Yes, you I wouldn't done. dare today. <laughs> All right, I'll let you pray then. Okay, bless you. <laughs> Morning, everyone. What a joy it is to be with each other today. Lord, we thank you so much that this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, Lord, for your word and for the privilege of sharing it with each other this morning. So we pray that your Holy Spirit will touch our hearts and inflame them into this subject of intercession. Hallelujah. Right, prayer. Well, we often think of prayer as something that we usually do with God on our own, chatting with him about our own needs, our own personal uh, uh, things that are going on in our lives, the battles that we face, asking his guidance and blessing. Well, today, all of us here in church and the children in their various activities, we are all looking at this same story, this battle, how God drastically changed a very dangerous situation purely as a result of prayer. But it's not just prayer that we're looking at, it's the slightly different aspect of it, of intercession, which is not praying for ourselves, it is interceding on behalf of other people, bringing other people to God for their benefit and their blessing. Now, Moses and all of God's people had escaped from Egypt, which was great. But now they'd been walking in the desert for a long time. They were often short of food and water, and they were prey to attacks from other tribes. So when the Amalekites decide they're going to attack, Moses said to Joshua, get all the men ready and fight them tomorrow morning. And the next day, Moses went up to the top of a hill overlooking the valley where the battle would be. And he raised his arms high above his head and started talking and talking and talking with God. Probably telling God how amazing he was, how wonderful his word was. Asking him to protect God's people as the soldiers fought. Moses didn't stop praying. He didn't stop raising his hands. He didn't stop talking with God and all the time his arms were lifted up all the time he was praying Joshua and the soldiers in the army were winning the battle but of course the inevitable happened and Moses arms got heavier and heavier and heavier and he started to drop his arms and he stopped talking to God so Aaron and her who had gone with him, realised that Moses was in trouble and needed help to keep praying. So they dashed to Moses' side and they sat him down on a big rock and they stood one each side of him, holding up one of his arms so that Moses could rely on their strength to keep going. He was able to keep his arms raised, he was able to keep praying all day long until the battle was won. So we're going to look briefly at these three men. Well, here we have Moses, this very courageous leader who led, it's estimated, two million people out of slavery. Imagine two million people wandering around the desert for 40 years. Moses, who met with God on the mountain, who gave the law to the people, who often stood as a buffer between God and the people because so often God was angry with them and Moses intervened time and time again 
who was a poet and a songwriter and who we later read in Deuteronomy chapter 9 was himself an intercessor. Moses describes there how he lay prostrate before the Lord, interceding on behalf of the people for 40 days and 40 nights, pleading with God not to destroy them because of their sin. And that prayer in Deuteronomy 9 ranks amongst the greatest prayers for Israel's national survival. And this prayer on the day of battle is so powerful it makes the difference between winning and losing the conflict. Yet he couldn't have done it without the help of his friends to keep going. So then we have Aaron. I say friends because Aaron, well hopefully he was a friend, but he was also Moses' older brother. He was chosen by God to be Moses' spokesman in the days when they were having the conflict with Pharaoh. And later he was set apart and anointed as high priest, part of the Levitical tribe who were also chosen to be priests and to minister in God's tabernacle and later on in the wonderful, beautiful temple that Solomon built. Aaron had special clothes to wear when he did his priestly duties, especially when he went into the tent of meeting, all signifying holiness, chosen to complement God's glory and beauty. He wore linen garments and covered his head with a linen turban, and on the top of it was an inscription that said, Holy to the Lord. The only item that Aaron and the other priests were not given were sandals, because they went into the tabernacle in bare feet, again signifying respect and reverence for God. So the role of the priest, priests, was to go into God's presence and intercede on behalf of the people of God, as well as to worship and praise God, to prepare the offerings and minister as singers and gatekeepers. As a special sign of Aaron's role, he wore over his linen robes another linen piece of, of costume, if you like, which was had... 12 pockets in and in each of the pockets was a different jewel and each jewel signified one of the 12 tribes of Israel and on each jewel was inscribed the name of that particular tribe. So you can picture this sort of covering over his robes that Aaron had over his heart he had the names of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. In fact, God had said, whenever Aaron enters the holy place, he will bear the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastplate piece. So as Aaron enters God's presence into the Holy of Holies on behalf of the people of God, their names were engraved and he carried them on his heart into God's presence. That's a lovely picture. I'm going to digress a little at this point because I want us to remind ourselves that Aaron is the forerunner of Jesus, who is now described as our great high priest. And whereas Aaron and the other priests had to offer sacrifices for their own sin, as well as the sins of the people, Jesus was and is perfect. In Hebrews 4 we read, We have a great high priest 
who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. This high priest understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testing that we do, yet he did not sin. And another verse from Hebrews 7 says, Because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives, therefore, to intercede with God on their behalf. So Christ, the great high priest, fulfilling his priestly role of intercessor, continues at the right hand of the Father in heaven, right at this moment, interceding for you and for me every second of the day. And if you ever feel no one is praying for you, don't believe it, because Jesus is. And also, we read in in Romans that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans that cannot be uttered. Paul in Romans 8 says, Christ Jesus was raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honour at God's right hand, pleading for us. And just as Aaron was called and chosen by God to this priestly office, so Jesus, in Hebrews 5, God says of Jesus, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now we haven't got time to go into the who on earth was Melchizedek, but the Bible says he had no end, he had no beginning, he lives forever. So Jesus became a priest after his order, which is eternal. It has no end, it has no beginning. It lives forever. And Jesus didn't have to meet the physical requirements of being part of the Levitical tribe, because he was of the tribe of Judah, but a life that lives forever and cannot be destroyed. And just as Aaron was anointed with precious anointing oil, and you can read about that in Psalm 133, is a beautiful description of the oil coming upon Aaron. So Jesus was anointed with that precious anointed perfume by Mary, who we are told broke the jar of very expensive perfume and poured the perfume on his head. So Moses, the great leader who walked with God and talked with God, and Aaron, his brother and spokesman and high priest. And finally, we have this young man called Hur. Now, we don't know much about him. He is thought to be the son of Caleb, one of the two spies who went into the promised land and came back saying, it's wonderful, the fruit is amazing. But some of the spies said, there are giants in the land, there's no way we're going to defeat them. It's also thought that Hur was the grandfather of a man called Bezael, who was one of the builders of the tabernacle, that beautiful tent that they built, that travelling tent, which was their holy place of worship, which of course later then became the temple. Now, unlike the two brothers, Hur is just an ordinary man. He's just like you, and he's just like me. However, on this particular day, there was one thing he could do, and he did do willingly, joyfully, actively, and faithfully. He could hold up Moses' hands, and he did the best job he could do. He may have been an ordinary person, but his intercession 
His intervention, his help, his support was just as powerful and just as necessary as that of the two brothers who were so important. Even though it was costly in terms of comfort and well-being. You imagine standing all day lifting someone else's hands up. All day. So what can we learn from this amazing intercessory prayer which released the power of God into the battlefield. Well, certainly we can learn from this story the importance of praying with others. My first husband had inscribed on my wedding ring a verse from Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. And it was actually, if you didn't know this, Ruth Shelsh's dad, because we knew them all those years ago, gave that verse to, to Peter Hull. And the verse says, two are better than one, for when one is down, the other will lift him up. It's really good to pray with other people, because one prayer sparks off another prayer. One idea that you might have will spark off an idea that I have, that the Lord uses, and I can pray in that way. And that's how it works. When we pray together, different ideas come to the surface. And of course it means, like Moses, when we pray together, we can keep praying longer. We don't get so tired when other people can take over one by one, because when one person stops praying, someone else can start praying. Your prayers literally have the power to save nations. And that's why we encourage people to come to the prayer meeting, first Wednesday every month. That's why we encourage people to go to home groups and pray, second and fourth Wednesday of every month. That's why we have prayer ministry here, because we believe in the power of intercessory prayer. Because when people pray together, the power of God is released. Now this bit of the Bible shows us that God wants to talk to us when there is a battle of some kind to be won. We may know of others needing help, perhaps needing a new job. Well, I said in the first service that I knew of two people who had just got new jobs. And in fact, afterwards, I was told that there's a third person who's also got a new job. Hallelujah. We can pray for each other when we see that other people are suffering or worried or have battles to face or need something to happen in their lives, perhaps a change in a relationship or ill health, whatever. And of course, sometimes we know the battles we face are spiritual and we need to come against the enemy in the spiritual realm. Sometimes we want to intercede on behalf of the world when we see the awful things we see on television and in the newspapers. These are all what intercession is all about. So when Moses chatted to God, when he raised his hands and asked God for help, God released power into the earth, into that battle. And the same thing happens when each of us pray and speak to God and intercede. Each time Moses stopped praying, the battle went the way of the Amalekites. Each time Moses prayed and lifted his arms, the battle went the way of the Israelites. Think what a difference our corporate prayers can make to this community to our families, to this world. Jesus said, if two or three come together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. 
When we talk to Jesus, he comes alongside us. He joins in. His intercessory role in heaven, he comes alongside and joins us in that intercessory role when we pray together. And the power of God is released. Sometimes we can look at big problems like wars and think, I'm only one individual. I can't make a difference. I'm only like her. But you and I can make a difference because we are children of God, we can pray together, and the power of God will be released. You can ask God to make the people in power wise so they agree to stop fighting. In fact, we are called upon to pray for our leaders, for kings, and for those in authority. That's Paul writing to Timothy. You can speak to God and tell him you long for peace. Your intercessory prayers will make a difference. Power is released. Change will happen. The story is told in the book of Esther of how because of the wickedness of one man called Haman, who came to a sticky end, the king issued a a decree that all the Jews were to be killed on a certain day. And it's actually named the 7th of March. Esther the Queen, herself a Jewess, prayed and fasted for three days with her ladies. And in chapter 9, verse 1, we have three encouraging words, which I've shared with some people, um, because it's been such a blessing to me. The words are, the reversal occurred. The reversal occurred. Now, some versions of the Bible say, the tables were turned, or quite the opposite happened. And I started using the reversal occurred in my prayer times for other people. It began to raise my faith because I began to see that God could turn the tables and change every situation that I was praying about, that we pray about. And praise God, he did indeed change several situations. I remember with Ian and Jerry when they were buying a house down in Portsmouth, the house they wanted on that one morning, the owner said, no, we're not selling now. I shared the reversal occurred. Within five hours, the people had rung up and said, yes, you can have it. And there they are now. That's where they live. The reversal occurred because they believed that God could change a situation. It's a very powerful, profound little phrase. Do use it in your prayers. The intercessory prayer of Moses and Aaron and her together lasted the whole day. But we know from experience that we don't always get an answer in a day. Sometimes things don't change straight away. Sometimes we do have to wait years. But over the years, we have all seen here amazing changes, amazing answers to prayer. At the moment, I'm in the middle of a 15-month prayer for something to happen, for something to change. Nothing has happened yet. But God is the God of the impossible, and I believe the reversal will occur someday. And our church family has been praying and interceding on behalf of many for months. 
Look at we've seen how Robin is doing. What an answer to prayer. And there are so many others here. If you look in your own spiritual life, you, every one of you could stand up and say, yes, God answered this prayer and this prayer and this prayer in my life. So do keep referring to your notices. Keep praying for people there. Use that as a prompt to intercede for others. And secondly, we see that ordinary people, just like you, just like me, can share in winning the victory for God's people. When the battle looks like being lost, we can pray. We can intercede. When we see our spiritual leaders growing weary, we can help support them in prayer. When enemies surround and are attacking our faith, we can pray. James 5 reminds us that the prayer of a righteous man has much power in its effect. In fact, the AV says the effectual and fervent prayer of a righteous man has much power in its effect. So the spiritual, prayerful habits of ordinary people like us can win the day, can win the battle. Now someone in this room told me on the phone on Friday that she met another Pip and Jim's member on the bus, who actually is also in this room, who said she was praying every day. And I'm sure that this church has many silent intercessors who are praying behind the scenes. They're not up front, they're not doing anything so-called important, perhaps they're too old, too infirm to come out, but they pray. We would not be the church we are now without those intercessors praying on our behalf every day. We need us as ordinary intercessors to be on the hill standing with other prayer warriors. We should be those ordinary prayer warriors. I said earlier that once someone said to me, you shouldn't say should in a sermon. I don't care. We should be praying. We should be interceding for those in authority, for those who are spiritual leaders over us, for each other, for the world. And if it was three men who kept a pair of weary arms lifted up to our Yahweh that made the difference between defeat and victory. And if they could do it, surely so can we. And thirdly, we saw earlier that Aaron the high priest was a forerunner, a shadow of Jesus who has become our great high priest who always lives to make intercession for us. Well, regarding priests and the priesthood, God initially told Moses in Exodus 19 that the people of Israel were to him a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So we've seen coming through scripture that just as the high priestly role is now fulfilled in Jesus so we as ordinary people as the new people of God also follow that great priestly line of succession and this is shown in the letter of that Peter wrote in 1 Peter 2 verse 5 you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. 
And a few verses later, Peter says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. So God initially chose the children of Israel to be the people through whom he would show himself to the world. But we are now the people of God. We are now the holy nation. And when God looks on us, he sees on our foreheads those words printed, Holy to the Lord. We are now each one chosen, called and anointed at our baptism to be part of this holy, royal priesthood of believers. And part of that role, part of our role, is to be intercessors on behalf of each other and on behalf of the world. Just like Aaron did, bringing the world on our heart into God's presence. We don't need special clothes to wear like Aaron, but we do need to make sure we are covered with the robes of righteousness. And because the battles we are engaged in are very often spiritual, deeply powerful spiritual enemies, we do need to make sure that we put on the armour of God each day that's in Ephesians chapter 6. The belt of truth. And there it is, the breastplate of righteousness covering our hearts. Our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So each one of us together can be like Moses, Aaron and her. We are each called, chosen and anointed to be intercessors in this priestly role. We're each clothed in righteousness and protected by God's armour. And together we can hold up the hands of our spiritual leaders so they can continue on the battlefront. We can't necessarily do what they do but we can pray for them. Together we can support and encourage each other in the task of praying, remembering that Jesus is interceding for us as well, remembering that in every battle others face, prayer is the most powerful weapon. So we all have that privilege, that precious privilege, of fulfilling our priestly role of carrying the needs of the world on our hearts, into God's presence. Yes, it will be costly. Yes, it will be tiring and involve personal sacrifice. But how wonderful it will be when we see the battles being won, when we see God's power being released, when we see reversals happening in seemingly impossible situations. How wonderful to know that we as ordinary men and women can be amazing intercessors and have such a powerful part to play in releasing God's victory into this world. Hallelujah. Amen.